online, camfm.co.uk, on air, 97.2, and across Cambridge, your CamFM. Hello and welcome to the Science of Fiction. Today I am joined by Will. Hello, how's it going? It's good, thanks. Good, good, good. Uh, we're going to be doing a show on errors and errata and errata. Which one's plural? Uh, errata is the plural of erratum, which is just me being pretentious. So, so, so it's like bacteria. Errors. Let's go with errors. Let's go with um, errors. But like some of, some of our errors and some of the errors we've come across in like fiction and also not in fiction, in fact. Accidental science fiction, if you like. Cool. Also, today is Darwin Day. Hooray! Yes, Darwin Day. Awesome. Oh, it's a brilliant day. I can't believe that we have a day just for Darwin and it's not like splattered everywhere. He was born 203 years ago today. Ah, oh, he's a bit older than me then. Yeah. It got a bit of a head start on the publication record. You'll, you'll get there. I'll get there. Okay, well, let's go straight into our first track, okay? Oh, what you 
online, camfm.co.uk, on air, 97.2, and across Cambridge, your CamFM. Welcome back to Science of Fiction. That was a beautiful start for a show named about errors, really. Well, it's called I, w- I Wish I Was Someone Better by Blood Red Shoes. Uh, but, well, the chorus is either I made a mistake, or I actually think it sounds a bit more like I made him a mistake. Um, There's like whole websites devoted to it, aren't there? Oh, oh yeah, it's uh, it's called a Mondegreen when you when you mishear the lyrics or something else. I th- uh, there was, and that comes from a mishearing itself. Yeah, it comes from a mishearing of um, I laid him on the green as and Lady Mondegreen. And there's one by uh, a very famous... Jimi Hendrix. There, oh, s- excuse me while I kiss the sky versus kiss this guy. Yeah, which of course he then sung on purpose wrong, apparently. Just to mess with the conspiracy theorists or misreading th- theorists or whatever. So, yeah, we just got an email in, actually, so good choice for that track, because we've got Haven't Heard Blood Red Shoes in Ages, nice one. So, no name, I'm, but... I'm, I'm glad that the nameless person agrees with that song being a good choice. Though the thing about it is, the title is I Wish I Was Someone Better, but I think that's wrong. I think it's I Wish I Were Someone Better. Um, if only we still had an English grad in the studio, we could have some confirmation. So, if there's anyone who knows, who's more authoritative about grammar than I am, can you... Let, let us know what you think about that. So, yeah, we've got... The reason for this episode is we've obviously made mistakes. Not not just technical mistakes, like failing to fade the right thing up at the right moment. We've also sometimes, by mistake, not made, said what we mean. Or made, made, made factual errors, misspoken. Everyone does it. It's only human. And we also felt it might be worth, you know, just also looking at things which are generally wrong in science fiction. Because everyone likes people nitpicking. Yeah. But we'll be careful. We're doing this for fun. We're not doing this too seriously. We do understand that, you know, some things are more fun if they're not right. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, computer games where you have to be totally biologically functional would be very boring. Almost any kind of fantastical uh, novel or film would be really tedious. Having said that, The Sims sells incredibly well. It's something like um, One Christmas. The uh, of the top ten games, nine of them were the Sims franchise, and one of them was Portal Two. Or was it Portal One? It must be one Portal One. Portal Two is only recent, wasn't it? Uh, I think it's almost. It's yeah, a year or so old now. But there's a main character who never has to eat. Well, have you? Uh, there are uh, so many problems with health in video games. Like, hey, let's let's smash boxes to get health. Anyway. So what have, what have we got wrong recently? Well, I, we were listening for some of the old episodes, and of course, I said that Marmite was invented during the war to get around with a lack of food. But actually, it was not. It was in, it was actually just invented at the uh, end of the uh, 1800s, I think, uh, under no constraints whatsoever. Just someone realised they could use the scrapings of beer barrels to make a, t- a tasty snack. Though, weirdly, because I, I was reading the Wikipedia page, which I do admit is not gospel, but apparently certain countries bought it early and made their own version. So depending where you go in the world... The people with the rights have different versions. Though some people have the British version because it came later and they wanted to make it the same. Huh. It's all very odd. But uh, I think we, you were confusing Marmite with salad cream, actually. Yes, the, I'll claim that. Yeah, so apparently uh, d- during the Second World War, was it the First World War? Um, it was a difficult... The ingredients for mayonnaise were quite hard to come by, so salad cream was a, I think, disgusting uh, replacement. And I think the same is true of Nutella. It was, um, uh, there was a shortage of chocolate, so to make chocolate spread without so much chocolate, they added some hazelnuts. Oh, I heard something similar that it was due to the chocolate tax, which would possibly be ah, the same thing. Yeah, that works. That, that in works Switzerland, because they like their chocolate, and their large hadron colliders. Actually, actually it's Italian. Is it Italian? Yeah. Really? So, 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 so Italians I know tell me, though. I think it's really a turf war. I'm sure the French think it's French, and Swiss think it's Swiss, and Italians think it's Italian. I think it's delicious. I, I, I have to say one thing, though. This is great, because we've got the Large Hadron Collider, Switzerland, and Italy, and errors all into the same bit, which allows us to go on to one of the most amusing errors in recent media. Uh, oh, this was great. So there was the whole um, 
faster than light hadrons? No, neutrinos. Faster than neutrinos. Um, and in response to the press release from CERN, where they say they said that these hadrons, uh, blah, 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 neutrinos, have been re- received in Italy faster than before they were transmitted from. Switzerland. What are you trying to say is they went from Switzerland to Italy and did it faster than the laws of physics. That's exactly what I'm trying to say. Um, But just as I've misunderstood it, um, a local government official in Italy misunderstood it and claimed that they'd funded a tunnel between CERN and the receiving lab in Italy, which is in fact false. Because neutrinos can go through solid rock. Which is kind of the point. It's kind of cool though, because there's actually a photograph of uh, neutrinos that is taken from, I think it's in a big pit underground in Russia, through the Earth, of the sun. Oh, wow. So you can take photographs through the planet. Can you take photographs through people, almost suddenly? Well, yes, because neutrinos... The trouble is, of course, getting neutrinos to actually be detected. Which is why you need incredibly expensive equipment. Yes. Uh, And, of course, well, we're hoping we'll find out something useful for... I think it's time to nip straight into... Something up, so as we round up, we're going to be talking about errors. Do send in any errors you think we've made already in the show, any errors that we're going to make. Uh, that'd be quite cool. Did, yeah, yeah, errors. Faster than light error detectors. Uh, and yeah, any errors in your favourite movies and things like that. So... Back after this. There's a boy with his head Pressed up to the window The bus headed out of town His breath on the glass He draws with his finger The map of the roads they go down The circles of streetlights The only signal There's people out there in the black He waves goodbye The town he grew up in Knows that he'll never come back Oh, but the night outside is far below His heart is pumping blood On his lips a perfect smile His eyes begin to flood Cause tonight's the kind of night Where everything could change Tonight's the kind of night Where everything could change And the rumble strip clack And the rattling frame Be out of pulse on his head the engine hums a humble tune, a melody of rubber and lead. And under lamps like gold, and paradise stars, an infinity of dancing white light. He sees that it's death, it's to experience only, not to those who plan out his life. Over the night, outside is far below, the moon is in the sky. His heart is full of perfect joy, he whispers his goodbye. Cause tonight's the kind of night, where everything could change. Tonight's the kind of night, where everything could change. And tonight is not gonna come back home. Oh, tonight is not gonna come back home. Thank you. 
across Cambridge. Your station. Your Cam FM. Okay, that was clearly Noah the Whale. And uh, actually, talking about errors, I might put on track two, which is tonight's kind of night. We're actually going to put on track three. Which, um, which, which is life goes on but obnoxiously spelt with full stops between every letter. Yes, so life goes on. Well, it's still a great track, but life goes on. Um, we didn't want to obviously change track, is because we felt we, we don't want to make you thinking that it's nitpicking the whole episode. Uh, Mistakes aren't the end of the world. We've had a we've had an email in. Uh, some of you may have heard sadly that Whitney Houston passed away recently, so we got an email in saying we should do it's not right, but it's okay. I think it's a, I think it's a, it's a good message. We don't actually have that, so sorry, but. Um, I think that's I think that's kind of the yeah the right attitude to take the mistakes. Yeah, I mean, good one and, and really good suggestion. I'm just sorry we don't actually have a copy. So I was being confused about different different uh, particles, um, mainly because I was thinking about uh, the uh, Higgs, Higgs boson um, hunt, which I, I believe there was recently some kind of uh, narrowing of the area to search for it in. I, I'm not a physicist. So as, as someone explained to me, it had a little hump in the graph, and they're looking for a really big throbbing hump in the graph. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, so progress, but not 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 the end. Not there. You wouldn't state your career on it, but everyone's pretty sure it's right. Fair enough. But there was quite, quite some quite funny backlash from the press conference about this because you know the, the presenter turned on their first slide and it was in Comic Sans, and people have very strong feelings about Comic Sans. Well, again, same person who's describing this result described it as a bit like turning up to your murder trial in a silly hat. <laughs> Well, I suppose, you know, um, yeah. And there are plenty of speakers who use Comic Sans to try and lighten the mood of their talks. There's a, um, a functional programming advocate called Simon Peyton-Jones who he has many qualities, but taste and fonts is arguably not one of them. I, I, just, I mean, I personally have a thing against PowerPoints generally because people have far too many words on it. And there's one rule is that you, people can only read faster than you can read off your own slides. Right, and re- reading from your own slides is... Maybe not. Well, it's an easier way to give presentations. So, I don't know. Depends how you do it. But, Normally badly. But I, I've actually been guilty of spreading some um, mis- uh, misconceptions about Comic Sans. I, I came across something which claimed that Comic Sans was uh, particularly easy for people with dyslexia to read. Um, and I was Im- almost immediately corrected. This is actually kind of true, but it's that handwriting style fonts seem to be easier to read for people with dyslexia than computer style fonts. Yeah. Kind of printed lettering, but Comic Sans of the available uh, cartoony handwriting fonts is one of the worst. See, I find this really weird because I prefer massively your Times New Roman, your serif fonts. Hmm. I, I just I, maybe it's because that's what books are in. Well, it's interesting because supp- supposedly the serifs actually obscure the shapes of the letters. Is the theory for why some people find um, sans serif and then handwriting in turn easier to read? I don't know. I'm not, I, I'm, I'm no expert on this. So yeah, looking at other people's mistakes, one of the ones which came up when some things I was looking through was uh, a guy called Thomas Midgley, I think he's actually junior, uh, he was a guy who invented putting lead in petrol and it was sort of to try and stop knocking where the cylinders accidentally fire off a bit too early because they're hot and the petrol compressed and it explodes early. Which it does stop. Yes, uh, and he um, he decided to put lead in and he kind of got this all wrong. I. I don't know whether the truth was he was an innocent who accidentally pushed it further than it was, because there was one bit where he poured it all over his hands to prove that it was all safe, and then had to take a year off work because he was so badly poisoned by it. Ah, uh, hmm. Uh, but that could have been his company, it could have been got so... Anyway, if you think that's bad enough, you, you possibly the guy's killed more people on this planet than anyone else with lead in petrol. Quite hard to gauge that, surely. Very hard, but we know how many people suffered from lead side effects. But there are other places where lead was used. There was lead piping, lead roofing. Yeah, but it's the organo lead, so it's 
it's not just lead as in lumps of lead. It's lead reacted with uh, hydrocarbons to make tertiary uh, lead. Okay, so it's, it's, it's in some, some particular molecule yeah. that's particularly deadly. Uh, so metallo-organics are quite nasty things at the best of times. Uh, well, anyway, he went on to try and make a new clean refrigeration th- chemical, which was... You know, couldn't do any damage chemically inert, and it's brilliant stuff. Uh, you know, as CFCs, which uh, of course t- sometimes later turn out to destroy the ozone layer. And still, well, last year's death, they're still eating away because they don't go away. They oh. sit there catalytically, so they keep doing the damage without being destroyed. That's unfortunate. Is there any way to get rid of them? I think they're very, very slowly degrading. Okay, so it's just, just a case of stop using them and wait and cross our yep. fingers. Yeah, we've really got to cross our fingers on that one. Um, but we do kind of we have ways of predicting it. We have enough other problems. We're, we're very good at screwing up the atmosphere. Well, uh, human, yeah, humans. Maybe, uh, maybe we should have played "You Destroy Everything You Touch" by Lady Trump. Never mind. Well, well, we don't have that now. But we human, do. Hum, humans are very good at mistakes. So, sum it up: people make mistakes. We just, need to get over this. Just, just like we did. We, we claimed, I think, on the Enigma show that the bombs used to uh, to crack the Enigma code, as invented by Alan Turing, were the first programmable computers. But actually, they're not. Uh, they were only, they weren't programmable in the sense we understand now. And the first programmable computer to actually be built was the Colossus. Yes, well, you're a Comsky expert, so you should court us on that one. I should have, but, you know, this is all before my time. Before your time. (laughs) Anything that happened before you were born didn't happen. Yeah, just like Darwin. And just like Facebook for me. Perfect. Facebook insists I was born in the same place I grew up. Not an unreasonable assumption, but often wrong. Well, I don't know if anyone actually... If you do feel like this, I find it quite scary how Facebook is trying to mine my life and getting it incorrect. Because I purposely don't give it information, like my date of birth, my bank details, my mother's maiden name, and where I was born. Because that is how you get into my bank. Yeah. Someone pointed out recently that, of course, Facebook's product is not the site. It's its users to advertisers. And Facebook's business model at this point is constrained mainly by the number of people on Earth. Yes. A sobering thought. Sobering. Um, so do send us in any ideas you have at studio at camfm.co.uk. Thanks for ones that have already been sent in. But it's nice if you can put your name on it. It makes it a bit more personal. You can also apparently text us by texting 80809 with the word camo at the staff message, though that costs 10p. And uh, oh, yeah, there's a little web form on the player. I've forgotten about that. Which also has the web camera, so you can see me, which is staring straight at me. You can't see me. I'm hiding. He's hiding. Will's hiding. Right.
across Cambridge. Your station. Your Cam FM. Welcome back to the Science of Fiction. That was uh, Super Tribe by Errors, who are a, a, a few Scots with keyboards. Scots with keyboards. Yep. What can go wrong? Scots with keyboards who Mogwai like a lot, which is strange because they sound absolutely nothing like Mogwai. At least they don't have bagpipes. That's true. Well, there's plenty of great music with bagpipes. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's um, there, there are various folk bands who what kind of you know folk rave bands. The name escapes me. If anyone listening can remember who I'm talking about, the kind of folk rave band with bagpipes. Folk rave bagpipes. Yeah, yeah. Three words I never was going to put together in a sentence. But very, very good for, you know, end end of a festival set. Which festival? Uh, the Cambridge Folk Festival. Cambridge Folk Festival. Where where else would you find this? That's a big folk festival, isn't it? It is. It's massive. And and it's kind of really fuzzy definition of folk. I think Noah and the Whale have even played there. Um, There's a whole bunch of stages, some of them more trad folk and some of them just like, you know, bagpipe raves. A little bit less uh, traditional. You're really getting everything, a trad folk. Yeah. Uh, You're a folk at heart. Not really. I... 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 I, mm, It depends. There's there's some good trad. I think most of the interesting folk is the stuff that plays with the the format a little bit. Cool. Well, I, I... I was um, enjoying Satyra because I was playing the new Star Wars computer game, Star Wars The Old Republic. I think ma- many people seem to have disappeared into that. Many people, many people. The good thing about having a small child is you can't disappear too long, otherwise you end up having a nappy overflowing. Um, not your own. <laughs> some kind of built-in time limit on gaming sessions. I, I suppose that's true for some really hardcore gamers as well. No comment. But the, there, was a, there was a great moment in it where the, one of the sort of storylines is you have to get in not infected with a disease which they've given you an out-of-date antibody for out of, uh, vaccine for so the vaccine's for like 300 years old and it just no longer works for the new version of the plague and they, they send you off to get infected and say well because you're a jedi you're, you're going to be tougher and stronger and that means you can make antibodies which will be the new vaccine which one isn't how vaccines work but the thing which made them totally get away with this and made me crease up and laughing was the final line from the scientist was may the force be with you because the science is stretched to the limit <laughs> So I guess at some point the writers realised they needed this to have this device to push the plot along, but they weren't happy with it. So I thought, okay, let's have a, let's have a shout out to everyone who knows this, this. This is nonsense. Well, it was a Star Wars zombie plotline as well. Okay. Well, wait, zombies? Yes. I, I obviously haven't watched enough Star Wars. Force using zombies. Mm, I would say Lucas is spinning in his grave. I'm sure Lucas is actually sitting in his giant golden throne, enjoying every you know million dollars that rolls in. To be honest, it was a better plotline than Attack of the Clones. The only love movie ever to have a name. Attack of the Clones. <laughs> so, not much attacking and lots of romance? But, but, to be honest, there's a lot of attacking in the game and zombies, but Attack of the Clones is just an awful, awful... It's got bad acting. Bad... If, if you like the prequel trilogy, and you happen to like Attack of the Clones, feel free to email in and tell me I'm wrong, but I think that's one of the worst movies ever. So, would you in fact say that it's one of Lucas's great errors? I, I think just making the whole prequels again rather than giving it to someone who can actually write. Hmm. Oh well. So apparently there's there's some sli- slightly questionable physics? Yeah, see I'm not sure about this and I need an astrophysicist to tell me this but so the moon of Hutter uh, Narshadar I think it is is a place where all the um, Han Solo lookalikes go to trade and it's like an evil smuggler place. And maybe evil's wrong I don't know if a planet can be evil. But it's a moon orbiting another planet called Hutter which is where all Jabba the Hutt's friends live. Now, I find this a bit weird, because for a planet and a planet it's orbiting to have the same gravity on the surface, that's really quite odd situation. Well, surely that would just mean they must have the same mass. Yes, but they're not the same size, because one's a moon and a lot smaller. 
So one has to be really, really dense. A core of dark matter or something. Yeah, or maybe a baby black hole hidden in the middle of it. Well, you know, stranger things have happened in science fiction. It's true. <laughs> in fiction, we can do anything. Yeah, and uh, there's, there's so, so many questionable qu- questionable things are kind of brushed away. Like in, like in The Matrix, they have you know, the, the humans as batteries, and this is really nice, you know... It, Descriptive image where a Duracell battery is held up with the, with the brand con- conveniently concealed. Oh, like, is it concealed? Or was it? Or was it not? Maybe it was product placement. I can't remember. But um, obviously, it's stuck in my mind that it was Duracell. So, who knows? But uh, it seems like feeding humans and then harvesting some kind of electricity for them in some kind of manner seems like a really inefficient way of making power. Rather well, than we just use BT- they talk about BTU, so it's thermal. The oh, Brit- so it's BTU is a British thermal unit. Oh, so they so they u- they're using the heat that bodies exude. Yeah. Should, couldn't they just burn the food? Or just use bacteria. If you have to do a bio solution because you don't want to like the CO2, well, they still make CO2. Hmm. But, it's, but yeah, it, there's no no reason to use a sentient life form on Earth. Okay, well, I, oh, I can't see why. You know, one of the reasons the Matrix existed was they wanted them to be sentient. They, just, like, they, oh, they yeah, had to control the sentience, which is like. Well, maybe maybe they just really wanted to run simulations at some point, and then the, you know, even robots can forget. I believe, I believe there is like an earlier draft or some of the other. S- sort of fan fiction which talks about actually using the brains to do something there's a um, novella I think by Neil Gaiman I, um, where one of one of the um, humans is released and f- flies a spaceship to kill some aliens but then he realises that his spacecraft uh, this is a spoiler but he realises that the robots have abandoned him after all that um, but, which it's, it doesn't really fit with the canon of the Matrix but all, all, the, all the best all the best authors play with canon when it suits them yeah I mean I don't. I, see, Canon's one thing that really annoys me. On one level, it's nice to be self-consistent, whilst on the um, other end, it's like you can get yourself tied up in too much, and there's too much backstory, too much of this, and it just can't flow. Which is why, when something like Doc Two gets rebooted, it's great. Yeah. Well, I think we should. Uh, let's do some music. Let's do some music.
FM.co.uk On air and online Your Cam FM Well that was F Clang with Step Aside F Clang got a lot less glitchy after this EP but I thought, I thought that was kind of music that sounds like it's broken even when it's not I kind of got into a sticky situation once trying to demonstrate a new mp3 player um, and said yeah it's got a you know, really really great audio output listen to this and put that track on which of course you know if you don't know F Clang just sounds like the machine's broken Oh well well, I, I quite like glitchy music, but yeah, it's a. But there's, there's the whole art form of in- of deliberately introducing errors into pristine sound. I mean, it's one of the reasons people like vinyl is that there are cracks and scratches in it. Well, there's two reasons, of course. Oh, because the second reason is the fact that it actually has a better dynamic range than CD, but As people which, which forget is, they we, degrade. Which is really a moot point. The dynamic range point is really kind of moot when you consider that. Uh, it, Engineers routinely squash the dynamic range in CDs. Oh, the, the um the loudness war. If you want to look up the loudness war, do I'm not going to rant about it on here. It's it's a real shame because it's something you could do with a press of a button if it w- if you wanted it, and you can't remove if someone's already done it to the CD. Right, can't recover it. Oh well, but the um the uh, we've we've talked a lot about the about the social network in various con- various contexts, but we haven't talked about the cover art of the soundtrack of the social network, which I accept is um. Uh, possibly bordering on the obsessive but it was created by uh, Rob Sheridan who's uh, done a lot of album art for Nine Inch Nails and he said that in the, in the past when he wanted to make kind of glitchy glitchy artwork he would use you know f- Photoshop to add, to add errors with that but for the, for the social networks uh, cover art he just took the images opened them up in a text editor and just randomly messed with the um, with, with the raw data just, I know it's typed stuff in there pasted lorem ipsum text in there oh, I really like the he added ridiculous fan fiction into some of the images oh really yeah I, I think that's a brilliant choice <laughs> well if, if you're looking for you know incoherent text sources <laughs> Then you know, why, why not hit up some fan fiction sites? No offense if you write fan fiction, listeners. I, I want. I wish it would be social network fan fiction, but of course that wouldn't be possible. <sighs> what, what, what would? Yeah. <laughs> Zuckerberg, <laughs> Zuckerberg fanfic. Let, yeah, let's, let's not go there. Yeah, oh well. But there was there was also a um, a, a novel by Michael Crichton called Timeline, which um, 
talked about you know introducing glitches into people there was a time travel method where you had to transmit the body and of course you, you if you, you know, compress an image um, you decompress it and then you know, some, some data is lost in transit and the body got very slightly misaligned and over time if you took enough trips you'd accumulate enough transcription errors to really mess with you or ultimately kill you so it's a bit like a Star Trek transporter yeah I think so yeah an, an imperfect Star Trek transporter well, considering how many plots revived around the Star Trek transport are not working. I guess this shows, <laughs> I guess, what, what, mangling people? This shows how little Star Trek it, it, it generally is just horrendous. Copies people sometimes. Copies. Get two of them. Uh, an evil version sent to an evil universe. That was probably actually one of the better ones. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, well, so, 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 you know, they ended up on the, ro- on the wrong side of some invisible thread and... Well, yeah, like an evil enterprise where everyone's a lot... Where Spock has a beard. <laughs> oh, is that why there's a band called Spock's Beard? I don't know. Oh, suddenly it all makes sense. No, but there is an episode, so the, the transporter goes wrong and switches, so they get a really high-progressive universe where the human race is goes around killing people. Like, if you go, if you're wrong, well, uh, uh, unlike, uh, unlike, oh, okay. Uh, no, it, 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 it's, more, it's based more extreme. you got to remember, Star Trek, the original series was made so long ago, what they considered passive is still pretty aggressive by mm, today's standards. In this, in this age of pacifism and you know, liberals and all those things. But yeah, the glitching, it, the trouble is... If it was molecular defects, it would kind of make sense damaging the DNA, but well, this, this is the idea of body defect. Right, it's stuff like, you know, veins getting misaligned so they don't join up and your hands get, you know, uh, gangrene. Oh, which well, is I it's that kind of plausible. Like, you know, if bits of you get duplicated by mistake or something, or, you know, lost, you lose a finger, you know. That is a, it's a bit like um, if anyone uses Facebook and f- our Facebook page, is it Facebook slash Think Outreach? I so I just Google for it all the time. Yeah. Anyway, whenever you or any or any other search engine. Yeah. If you if you go to Think Outreach, you can find us there. Um, it, we put up an event every week, and for a while we kept copying and pasting the event image from the previous event, and over time it became a smeary blur. Right. As as we kept re- reintroducing uh, re- recompression, because Facebook seems to re-encode the image every time you upload it, which offended me because uh, I'm I'm angry about these kind of things. We fixed that though. But yeah, this this sort of idea of glitches and DNA and stuff like that. So obviously it wasn't DNA in this case. Uh, our favourite detective on TV at the moment, well, was on TV, uh, Sherlock with his GFP bunny rabbits. Yeah, there, were, there, there was there was a plotline which involved a bunny rabbit that glowed in the dark and the ch- child being very very upset about it. And they explained it away as being GFP, the green fluorescent protein we've talked about on the show before and played a song about it. Rishi, uh, as in Professor Carmadillo's GFP, which you can get on his website, I think. Do listen to it, it's brilliant. He's actually doing a gig, I think, this week down at the Portland Arms. Well, everyone who's near the Portland Arms should go along. So, yeah, so this GFP is great. You, you just put it in a gene next to it. So it's green fluorescent protein. You put it in to the gene for the protein you want to see where it is. And if it's like the hair protein, then all the hair glows green is what the pa- people say. But there's a difference between glowing green and fluorescent green. And as it's called green fluorescent protein, it obviously should fluoresce. And fluorescence, you may have noticed, are things that when you shine UV the light on glow. So that's why fluorescent pens don't work very well under electric light, but work really well in daylight. So, so in fact, fluorescence is almost the opposite of glowing in the dark. It's glowing it's, under particular radiation such as light. So it takes a short wavelength like UV and makes it into a longer wavelength like yellow if it's a yellow pen, green if it's green fluorescent protein. And, I mean, what is awesome is you can now buy GFP genetically modified fish. So okay. zebrafish, which are these little boring tropical fish, which people have just because they make the tank look a bit more full. You can get glowfish in the US now I don't know if you get them here and they've got different mutant versions of GFP so red ones green ones blue ones um, they glow under the lights because most fish tanks have UV lights in the top to make right, them look pretty. Right, of course. Well, a lot of tropical fish tanks are really only there for aesthetic purposes I guess. Yes. But no. Um, 
Yeah, the um, another kind of thing that bothered me in Sherlock was that they um, they they made the standard mistake of equating you know, binary with computer code, and that well, you know. Uh, that, that's, that's only true in as much as stuff is stored in binary. But you know, just because something is binary doesn't mean it's it's a piece of software. It could be your image, or it could be the images which uh, which um, uh, Sheridan was opening up to uh, to corrupt them. All this very very radio show. All this very radio show, which you can um, send in messages at studio at camfn uk, or through the web form, or you can text cam plus your message to eight zero eight zero nine and let us know what you think. We can get your binary messages in here. Actually, please don't send them in real binary. Uh, We might be able to work something out, but not by the end of the show.
online and across Cambridge. Your station. Your Cam FM. So that, so that was Need and Thread by Sap. There, who are uh, one of my favourite bands, and they have lots of cats playing in their music, which is not a coincidence at all. Um, so there was a the correction sections of newspapers are often pretty funny. Like you have people correct things like you know so and so was born in 1982, not 1983, or you know there was no evidence that so and so was found crawling on the floor. There was a there was a particularly egregious uh, son misreporting of a lawsuit. Um, but um, one of the better corrections that I came across recently was from the New York Times. They ran a really long article, which is extremely interesting. We'll, we'll link to it on the Facebook page later on. Um, titled "Navigating Love and Autism," and the reporter. Uh, visited uh, two two um, autistic people who are a couple um, based in the other Cambridge in um, Massachusetts um, and looked into how how the, how they navigated the thorny waters of uh, relation, relationships, which is really not something I'd ever really considered. Uh, how 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 does one build and maintain romantic relationships when one finds it hard to build and maintain? friendly relationships so it went on and at one point they, uh, they mentioned that um, uh, that one of the couple uh, visualises um, a particular character from My Little Pony um, which she empathises with and helps her cheer up and then the correction said um, um, it, the article misidentified the character from My Little Pony it is Twilight Sparkle the nerdy intellectual not Fluttershy the kind animal lover I'm not familiar enough with... Are you a My Little Pony fan? well my daughter hasn't got old enough yet Ah, give it, give it a few years. we have an Applejack I don't know what they are. What are they? Applejack is uh, orange My Little Pony. Okay, that's fine. It, but it's, it's the old school My Little Ponies because it's due to my wife. Okay. She bought one for her daughter just because she felt she had to. Reasonable tradition. There, there, there was quite a nice follow-up article by the author of the original article, who then published the correction, explaining why uh, how the, how the um, error came to pass. And she said, she pointed out that she, like, she really like, it was very important to her to get all the details right um, because this is you know, such an unusual situation to everyone. So, um, but she didn't even think to check that particular minor detail. But then someone wrote in and said that seems unlikely, and sure enough, she was wrong. That's that's but, incredible. Oh, oh well, maybe maybe when your daughter's a bit older, she'll get into the new the new genre where people mash up um, My Little Pony videos with uh, the music of artists, quote unquote, like Skrillex, to form the genre dub trot, which is like dubstep but My Little Pony themed. Dub trot that is the best thing I've heard so far this year. You see like the, the, these videos with the repetitive music, and then someone drops the bass, and the My Little Ponies fly around the screen. It's very surreal, surreal and trippy. Yeah, I'm not sure who it's aimed at. Um, people who go on the internet looking for YouTube for cats that fly. Oh well, but yeah, you, the, the, there's also been some you know ver- various um, particularly egregious scientific papers which would never be published, um, which you know come, slip through the net from time to time. Is egregious your new word today? Have I used it before? You've used it twice today. I'm sorry. I'm not even sure what that means. Uh, bad. <laughs> bad. Um, yeah. So this was a big one last year. Um, the ar- arsenic life paper. So the idea is that arsenic is very similar to phosphorus. Therefore, you can make DNA out of it. So they grew some bacteria they found at, I think it might have been Yosemite National Park, but one of these odd environments. Just now, Yosemite National Park, I point out, is not an odd environment, but it has these hot pools of water, which are odd environments. And, um, yeah, they took a bacteria from them. They grew it up on a... F- Phosphorus missing media with lots of arsenic, but the trouble was they didn't really do some. 
proper work on it. So, it, so what was the claim? The claim was that it that, that, that it was made up of arsenic. It had to have used arsenic because there was no phosphorus there. But as people pointed out very quickly, that there are plenty of low phosphorus bacteria which would live off happily the amount of phosphorus that you'd find as an impurity in arsenic huh. because their similar chemistry so hard to pull apart. Um, and because bacteria, bacteria, the bacteria who live in these really hostile environments are so hardy. Yes. So that you know. Well, Hardy's prob- specialises probably better yeah, okay. than Hardy because, like, there, th- there are creatures that live in these big caves full of H2S and H2S hydrogen disulfide. One stinks of rotten eggs. Mm-hmm. Two should mean that no life, all life as we normally come across, would get killed by it instantly. But the things living in there just basically use it instead of oxygen. Yeah. Well, there was, there, there was a, a book by um, Peter Watts who was recently um, in the news for being um, beaten up at the Canadian-American border. Um, oh, that's not good. He, he had a novel called Behemoth, except the B was spelled as a beater for some reason, uh, which was... A, a ra- one, of the, one of the plots was around these sulfur-based life, life forms at the, on the ocean bed or something, and then they, yes. they infect people, and the you know, they destroy life as we know it, and so on. Uh, that, that sounds bad. It seems implausible, but apparently he is a marine biologist, so th- this stuff does have some kind of basis in fact. But all, 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 all three of the novels in the Behemoth series are available online for free. That's one. So if, if anyone feels like fact-checking some marine biology... Yeah, send oh. it in. Uh, maybe it might take you a bit longer. It's quite long, I understand. Yeah, if you can read 2,000 2, 2, pages in the next five minutes, then, you know, please let us know. Well, I think you have two minutes 30, actually, to read it and send it in before the end of this next track. Good luck.
camfm.co.uk on air 97.2 and across Cambridge your camfm so that was some nine inch nails that was uh, called I think three ghosts four or Roman numerals three ghosts four all, all the all the tracks on the album ghosts uh, have really unhelpful names how are you supposed to remember that that track is called three ghosts four but we we, we worked it out from the CD deck. Yeah, we, we we have a number on the thing called track. Yeah, it's, it's a clever invention. On LPs, it would have been a nightmare. Oh, we, had, we, we had to count the, the, the little notches which mark the track counters. It would have been a disaster. This is progress. Progress is great. Well, apparently no one read the entirety of that book in the two minutes thirty we gave him. Oh, well, never mind. So, m- meanwhile, um, we, we were talking a bit about Spock earlier. He's quite a good uh, example of the whole thing of people just kind of glossing over why it is that humans can breed with non-humans in various bits of science fiction. Yeah, I mean, it's quite amazing when you consider how diverse reproduction even on this planet is. I mean, anglerfish, most bizarre form of reproduction I can think of right now alive on radio. The male one bites onto the female. Oh, and then dissolves, leaving only his gonads. Yes. I'm glad I'm not a fish. <laughs> well, an anglerfish. Yeah. But there's a, there's, a, there's a few people who have tried to explain this away. Um, Jeff Noon, who wrote a surrealist novel called Vert, uh, talks about fecundity 10 which is some kind of chemical that magically makes every every animal able to breed with every other which seems you know unlikely in the extreme and yeah yeah i don't really buy it um and the culture novels talk about genome fixing all the all the different humanoids around the universe which is vaguely more plausible because you might imagine that things are kind of the same shape might have similar makeup but Culture kind of can cheat anyway, because culture will happily move one mind from one body type to another. Right, so they can just tweak everything. Yeah, and I mean, it, 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 within their consistency, making something breed when they can make a person into a tree, which yeah. they do. Yeah. Talking uh, trees, great characters. Well, which of course were made popular in uh, Lord of the Rings. Ents are much more exciting than the but, average talking tree. But then they are very tall. And very slow. I think it was Terry Pratchett who once said that um, trees actually do make sounds, um, if, and they, they speak. And if you if you sped up the sound, because the problem is that trees just grow very slowly, so they also talk very slowly. And if you sped them up, the sound they would make is whoosh! <laughs> that is actually a brilliant idea. We should do that. No. So there's... Well, don't you take us how long to it for an oak tree? <laughs> okay, well, we'll, we'll try and grow a tree before the next episode, <laughs> and, speed it up and see, speed it up and see how that sounds. But yeah, there was um, there was a um, what's his name? China Mieville's novel Perdido Street Station, which was recommended, I think, by Steve Frank on this very show. Uh, also has you know weird like humanoid hybrids breeding and never really explains it. But he also gets away with a lot of artistic licensee type things by just renaming things. So he wants to talk about sort of chemicals which are kind of slightly you know, mystical or magical or something. So he just kind of replaces the E's with Y, so it becomes chemical. And by like using these kinds of words which look a lot like English words but are very obviously distinguished from them, uh, it, 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 he gets away with you know alluding to what what you expect them to be, but they can have whatever properties he chooses like, to give them, which I think is quite a nice technique. It's a MacGuffin, isn't it? Right, something exactly. to make the plot flow. Right, it's, 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 a, it's a hook to hang it on so the, the, the reader doesn't feel lost, but at the same time they aren't bound by uh, the, the reality because if they were, not fiction would be extremely boring. But he's quite lucky because he never writes in the same genre twice. Ah, well, the thing is that, that um, Perdido Street Station is the first of a trilogy. I haven't read the other two yet, so I only finished the uh, first okay. one today. But um, I infer they must be in the same same kind of style. That's that's well, he probably because there's one trilogy. One book, yeah, or, or maybe they're written as you know different types of story, but set in the same world. That could also work. You but, can you can have all kinds of different you know st- story types set in the same fantasy world. But what I was alluding to is like we mentioned this earlier, canon. That it's very difficult to keep a consistent canon because you want to change things as you go along, and 
if you keep changing your style, you can, of course, make up things which you don't have to worry about the problems because you never come across it. But right. in something like Star Trek, which however many Star Treks have been, I'm sure someone who cares enough will be able to every single mistake but it doesn't really matter because Star Trek isn't aiming at that whereas Charles Stross uh, who is a science fiction author who is great um, has had to abandon several series because he cares about consistency and he's written himself into plot corners that he doesn't know how to escape and he regrets making so he just abandons that, that, that whole series that's a shame. It is a shame. a shame. Anyway, I think that's all we've got time for. We've only got about 10 seconds left of the show, so tune in next week. 5pm, same time. Same time, same place, from our all-new, very white, industrial bunker. See you next week. <laughs>